0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Natureversity Podcast. Today, we have Melissa Hagen from the Tillery Street Plant Company, and we are really excited to have her on to tell us all about how I feel we can have more connection in our lives through the world of plants, because I've been in places that don't have plants, and I can feel, I don't know, I guess airports is one thing that comes to mind, but now they're starting to put more in there, and I feel a little bit more like just bringing nature inside. So Melissa, thanks so much for being on here and tell us what it is, what is it you do?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I do a lot of things. I have a, uh, I have a very big scope of things that I'm responsible for over at Tillery. Um, and it, I mean, it starts, it could just be as simple as like unloading trucks and making displays of plants. Um, Organizing the lists of everything that has to happen for the day and making sure that everyone knows kind of what they have to do that day and making it really look nice is a big goal for us over there. So um, a lot of the plants that we have in our greenhouse are displays. We don't have just plants for sale. So we do have to do a lot of maintenance, just kind of upkeeping all of our mother plants. I do a lot of propagation. I do a lot of education. Um... So I wear many hats over at Tillery. My my official title this year is greenhouse manager, but um, I do everything. I order seeds. I order interior merch. I have a lot of local artisans that I um, facilitate them selling their stuff to Tillery. So um, there's a lot of different ways that we try to kind of engage in the community, and you know, not just be a plant store. I would say. Sure. Where were you born? I was born in California, um, in the foothills in central California, Sonora, and lived there until about eighth grade and then moved to Sacramento. And then towards the end of high school, we came to San Antonio, to Texas, but I didn't like it very much, so I went back to San Francisco, and I was 18, and it was a very expensive city to live in, and I had gone to a little college, but I was trying to figure out What I was gonna do I felt kind of really restless not knowing like what my plan was um, so I came back to Austin, which was, you know, close to my family in San Antonio Um, I could go back to school and kind of just figure out what I was gonna do um But I didn't I didn't really I went to college twice and I quit twice and Didn't really know why I was going or what I would do. So um, I was pedicabbing I was, I got certified to teach yoga, and I was working in a food truck, and I saw the job posting that Tillery was hiring, and um, I took them a bag of empanadas from the food truck that I worked at, and the girl who was the manager at the time, the woman Allison, had been a pedicabber also. She knew it was kind of a tough job, so she was like, all right, well, she could probably handle this job, and they hired me, and at the time, it was maybe five employees, and a small greenhouse and a trailer as the office and then a bunch of plants outside there is like a small urban veg section and some trees and we've always shared the lot with East Austin succulents and they have um all the not cold hardy succulents um and then everything that's cold hardy we do so we do do large cactus and um landscape type succulents um so yeah it it I came to Tillery kind of randomly. Like I, I had a roommate who had an herbal trailer, La Botanica, and that was renting. They rented space at Tillery and there were some other trucks. There was a coffee truck and there used to be um, a sweat lodge back there. And that's cool. Some gardens. And now, you know, where the buzz mill and like all those woods back there, they used to have amazing gardens by squatch back there. Yeah. Um, and yeah over the years slowly we've just kind of had gotten pressed for space and our you know gotten kind of the space that we were allowed to use now we can't use as much and so um it's changed a lot over the years we've grown a lot over the years slowly we're about 14 or 15 employees now and um our greenhouse we got You know, we had the small greenhouse, then we expanded the front, and then we moved that greenhouse to the back, and we built a bigger greenhouse in the front, and now they're working on a new greenhouse in the back back that's going to be our new propagation greenhouse. So every year, we're slowly starting to grow a little bit.
0: When you were growing up in California, were you big into plants? Did you nerd out on, like, was your house filled with house plants, or did you go exploring a lot, and was, was botany a thing that you were into?
1: My grandmothers both had gardens, and I got to kind of see them in their gardens, and I have memories of my grandma, like, handing me a tomato, and, you know, I do remember being a picky kid, but I remember eating the tomato and being like, oh, okay, cool, that was nice, but... Um,
0: did you go through that full experience of, like, planting seeds and cultivating Not and watering much. and then eating the...
1: Not really. They. I got to see them kind of from a distance doing it and how much they loved it. And, you know, one of my grandma, like, always made pickles, always had mm. really fresh pickles. And um, my parents themselves my mom was a night nurse and my dad was a truck driver. So they were kind of gone a lot throughout the days. And I was kind of, we lived on a mountain and I was just like a little wild child running around, like exploring, looking for mountain lion houses and um, just trying to, there wasn't a lot of trouble to get into like where we lived. We didn't, couldn't really get down to like the road just from the mountain. So we were just running around out in nature. And I think in a lot of ways that was nice. Like it's, I had a lot of time to spend in nature and, you know, but my parents didn't necessarily have a lot of plants or I remember my dad trying to grow watermelon seeds one time in my sandbox. Nice. But (laughs) neither of them really had had it much of a green thumb. So it was more kind of like from my grandma's that I got to see a little bit of, and one of my grandma's had chickens and kind of like a little bit of homestead type of life.
0: Yeah. That's exciting. So that's kind of beyond just dropping into on a whim and applying to Tillery Street, you um didn't really have any big background. Like you didn't go to college for botany or anything like that and you never had isn't that funny how life works like that? It's so funny. You yeah. get like a taste of something and you're like, Whoa, I really like this. Yeah, you know, I'm again I just talked about this on the last podcast, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it again. Do you know what Ikigai guy is? Um tell me. Ikigai is the Zen purpose for being and so it's like a quadrant, you know, like four circles coming together and it's that what you're good at, that what you need. Oh, no, no, no. That what you're good at, that what you're passionate about, that which the world needs and then that which you can be paid for.
1: Mm-hmm. And when all
0: those little Venn diagram of circles come together in one, you have found Iggy Guy. But the way we find it sometimes is so, we just don't expect it. And I think it, I think it finds a lot of people and it, they, it passes them up. And they know, oh, that could have been the time, you know, that could have been the place. But I'm really happy to be sitting here talking with you because I think you've found your icky guy. So tell me, what is it like being the greenhouse manager at Tillery Street? Like, what is, it, what, what is the favorite thing that you get to wake up every morning and go, I get to go do this? Like, what's the best part of the job?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I love that. First of all, I want to say, like, I do love that idea. It did find me and I feel so lucky and... Um, in a lot of ways I feel like it is the perfect fit for me. Um, and I love like my very favorite days waking up at tillery are when I get to go see other people's greenhouses. When I get to go visit like my friends greenhouses, like, or people that we buy plants from, um, I get to go see kind of what they're growing. And over the years, that's always been one of my most favorite things to do is just kind of see, other people's setups and learn, you know, how I can propagate things better, how I can grow things better, and how I can have more success growing plants. Um, and also just to be inspired and to see plants that I've never seen before, I always feel um, That's really like meeting excited. Brand new, it is so exciting. I love yeah, it. and it that I take with me everywhere. Like I, whenever I've traveled to different places, I've been to India, I've been to Mexico. Um, Costa Rica and I'm always looking at the plants there and looking for plants that I don't know and it's so cool because a lot of the plants that we keep as house plants when I see them growing out in the wild um, I went to Maui earlier this year and I got to see like the big banyan trees which is like just a common name for any ficus tree that you have the common ficus in your house is a banyan tree somewhere in the world so it's, it's really cool to see the whole scope of plants in in all of their forms and all, like as infants and as elderly plants. It's really um, exciting to me. Yeah. So I love that. I love unboxing days when we get new shipments in of like orchids from Hawaii or um, like aeroids out of Central America. We get to unbox them and repot them and
0: um, they do well in transit.
1: Some better than others.
0: Some better than others.
1: Yeah. Some do just fine. Um, some, and they're literally complaint. being
0: flying, f- flying on a plane coming here.
1: I go to the airport and I pick them up from the cargo. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll FedEx some to us. Yeah. We get bonsais from Florida. A lot of the plants we get are shipped to us on trucks from Florida, uh, the tropical plants. Mm-hmm. Um, the urban veg a lot is grown semi-locally and we grow some herbs and veg ourselves. We like to do a lot of, um, unpopular or uncommon heirlooms, um, and then we do, we have a guy who's now getting all that the bonsai section going for us. Um, I'm doing a lot more propagation. I hired someone this year to help me in the back greenhouse just do propagation of a lot of the uncommon plants that um tend to be very expensive. The prices can be going, they're going down but the pandemic was a crazy time and supply and demand was crazy and now going into a recession we're kind of seeing like things starting to slow down again so it's it's an interesting market i would say especially because a lot of people sell plants to each other online these days everyone started like pop-up shops and etsy's selling plants and you can buy most plants at like home depot or central market or heb like there's just Plants everywhere.
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of those places people know, like, it's like mass produced, you know, highly commercialized. You know, you don't really know what the heck you're going to get. It's like um, buying herbs, you know, from giant places. You're like, are you really getting what they're selling you? Or it's, <laughs> it's, it's true. So you I don't know what they've done to it. Yeah, but I'm also like, I mean, the reason I have mostly austin-based guests on the podcast is because i like to keep it local like that's the way our communities should all work it's like things should i'm not saying stay but like you know we should help each other out 24 7 and um yeah i would love that y'all come to buzzmill and teach people about how they can bring more meaning into their life have you ever gone down that road like um i don't know what we would call it but uh um no there's a word for it ethnobotanical right like the relationship between humans and plants and being a, a you know greenhouse manager have you ever gone down that road and read any like steven Buner books or what's the other guy's name botany of desire author michael Pollan. michael Pollan. yeah
1: um i have listened to that audiobook i i am really fascinated by that you know i do think that there's a lot of that we can gleam like in our relationships with plants, you know, plants themselves can be so healing alone, like th- the actual physical components of plants, but I do think also kind of like our relationships with plants can be really healing and can feed us and nurture us in a lot of ways too. And um, you know, I I think that there's a lot of different experiences people have with plants, and that's why I like to do the education and come to the buzz mill and do classes and I've been to other classes at have been at buzz mill um the beekeeping class was really yeah fun. mike mendoza's and um, mm-hmm. i'm gonna have him on soon nice yeah um and i l- but i love helping people like find that balance with their plants where they can get that relationship because it's not always that it can be really stressful if you have a plant that's important to you and you're not taking good care of it and you don't know why can create like a lot of stress. If it's like a plant your mother gave you or your grandmother, like people come to us with all sorts of questions and plants from all over the world. And so over the years I've just been asked everything, you know, and had to help so many different people try to figure out different things. And like, I didn't go to college for this. I, I am, I would say obsessed with plants and I do, um, always, I'm always learning about some thing or another plant related because there's just so much to learn. And I feel like it will never end. There's, there's always more plants and there's always new directions to take it in. And, um, I, I feel like I find so much value in having plants and not just, you know, my house plants, also having a garden and being able to go out and harvest food and harvest tea and, also, as someone who primarily has been a renter for most of the time that I've been gardening the last 10 years, like at first I did have a garden that I, you know, was my home. I thought I would be there for a long time, but then I had to end up moving away from that garden after a couple years and I had a relationship with that garden. It was really hard to leave that. It was actually right down the street from here. So it was oh. funny coming back to this side of town because um, I think about my garden like it was my first, my first love, my garden. Sure. And I learned so much there just from experimenting and throwing out seeds and just developing a relationship with nature and watching the plants and how they sustain all of the life, all of the butterflies and the bees. And um, I raised a lot of monarchs there and it changed me, too, in a lot of ways. It helped me be more peaceful, be more... um, like, weeding, I think, is a really good therapy. <laughs> so anytime I'm upset about something or really stressed out, I want to go out and, like, pick some grass, pick some weeds. And I always feel a little bit better. I mean, I know that there's actual scientific studies done where, like, the bacteria that's in the soil has a relationship with us to where we get um, the... Bingo. That it, it will, like, enter into our skin, into our cuts in the hands of gardeners or whatever, and they... um it affects us. It boosts our mood. So there's, there's, I'm always really fascinated by all the scientific studies that they're doing on plants, seeing how just having them around can help boost our, um, how, how efficiently we work. So they're trying to get more plants in offices, um, But it's also like really interesting for me because I see the other side. I see designers come in and try to pick plants for offices that are all the wrong plants. And then like (laughs) (laughs) thousands of dollars on plants. (laughs) And I'm trying to guide them to get the ones that are going to work best for their space. But they won't. Sometimes they just have a budget and they're like, we'll just replace it if it dies. So, you know, at a certain point, like I've seen other people say, I'm not going to sell you plants anymore. Like if you're going to keep killing them, like other growers, I'm tell people like we are not selling plants anymore. And most of the time like we don't cut people off, but uh, you know it is it's it's it is frustrating cuz yeah, a lot of course. designers come in just wanting what looks good. And you know, a lot of people this year started putting olive trees inside of houses, which are full sun outdoor trees from the Mediterranean like. They don't really do great in houses and then come back and ask for a refund after it's defoliated and so that that side of things can be less less exciting but generally we try to help people get like a good fit for them and I think that most of the time like when people have plants that they lose it's like either it wasn't a good fit you know sometimes accidents happen like there's so many reasons why plants die I last week I overwatered a snake plant and I've had that plant for like three years and that just happens sometimes. Like yeah. sometimes you don't understand, you, you know, you just get on your schedule and you don't really realize until something is too late with the plant. So I don't know. I try to encourage people not to be too hard on themselves if they can't keep a lot of plants alive. So a lot of people were trying to keep too many plants alive during the pandemic and then find themselves downsizing because they don't have as much time as early days of the pandemic. So it's been interesting to, to see like everyone get into plants um the last couple years and and now we're gonna see who stays with the plants now that the Mm -hmm. pandemic's over and it's kind of like the fad of it is over and you know i hear other people talking about how you know that was a big fad in the 70s and 80s and but i think everybody you know can benefit from having plants around you don't have to have too many just have a few like the ones that really bring you joy and and having a garden having just a few plants outside that you can take care of and you know don't make it stressful. Yeah. Just find what is a, the right amount for you. And some people, just a few is enough. For me, I have a lot of plants inside and outside my house. So when it starts freezing in the wintertime, we get kind of like stressed out. Like, <laughs> oh God, we have a lot of plants. <laughs> we got to give away. Who can we give this to? Sure. Where's this going to go when it freezes?
0: Yeah, we have the same thing outside and inside. The amount of plants that we have to Upstairs, downstairs. And as soon as it's time to... Bring them all in. It's like, oh, this is going to be a chore. It's going to be thirty minutes. Here we go. Mm -hmm. You know, you just set aside that time, but you love them, and you know, that's interesting. What you said about how people are like, oh, I want a refund. It's like, how old are you? (laughs) I'm 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 being serious here. How old are you? We you have you ever do you have children? Did you ever buy them a goldfish? Like, did you ever not teach them like if you don't do the right things, like then the goldfish dies. But you can't go back to the pet store and demand your money back for you mistreating the goldfish. Yeah. Like, where does that kind of ego come from? Give me my money back. This plant didn't live.
1: It, it <laughs> happens. So wild. And Sorry,
0: th- people who buy plants and do that out there. <laughs>
1: <sighs> I've seen it happen over the years. And, you know, we try to, if the plant went out with a problem, we try to make it right. Yeah. You're not trying to sell anybody that plants sense. that have bugs. Right. If, you know... But usually Infections. we have like about a two week policy. Sure. Like after about two weeks, if <laughs> you know, you can in the summer in Texas, you can plant a plant in the ground, and the next day it could be dead. Yeah. Oh, it, of course. That sun when is hundred degrees. So it's a killer. It, you know, we try to say it as kindly as we can in our policy, like, "Hey, you know, we're not really responsible if you kill this plant."
0: Sure. Yeah. You know what's interesting is um, <clears throat> and I don't mean to like talk politics, but I wish all leaders of anything like anything even like major businesses if it's not political corporate I wish they would be gardeners before you know because I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you speak and I know a lot of gardeners and the way they just carry themselves the way they handle themselves it's almost as if you're the leader you know, but you're not doing it on your behalf. Like you're doing it on their behalf so that they manifest the best versions of themselves so that then you reap the benefits, right? So if you had to go through and meticulously, you know, figure out, okay, every single one of you, y'all don't like being near each other, I just noticed. You know, like these two and oh, man, could you imagine if and and when people retire from such positions of leadership, you know, and they're like, well, what do I do now? Like, well, I think you should be a gardener because now you're really going to be challenged because I same thing. My grandmother had one and um, we've tried to do gardening in places, but I've been renting in the past like you and we planted all kinds of stuff and we combated the squirrels and the insects and all the things out there. But it's so it's so much fun to get little peppers and tomatoes and to get Um, to we, one time we just let a sweet potato go. And this thing just started going ham. I was like, "What? Well, look at it. And then it took over like the whole garden area just, and then all of a sudden squirrels were just like, and chewed it to nothing. And it died. And we were like, dang, we we're about to get some sweet, you know, it's volunteers. And,
1: yeah. To me, starting to garden was like a huge reality check. Like, people that are growing your food are doing a good job it's hard it's like, so hard you try to grow tomatoes yeah like you mentioned squirrels i also had rats yep. one year like eight months. like i've never been able to successfully grow Brussels sprouts because every year i've tried like three years and every year either it gets eaten there was like last year the temperature went from 80 degrees in one day down to like high 20s the next day it was a f- a hard freeze but nothing had time to get used to the cold temperatures so i lost cauliflower and kale like things that are extremely cold hardy weren't ready they that was just too stressful of an event for them if you don't have a protected like my my dream right now once we buy our house is to get a high tunnel, and just to be able to protect the food a little bit from the elements, from the animals. I've seen people completely cage in their gardens to keep the animals out, and you have to go through those measures if you're trying to do anything more than just hobby garden, and I feel like even now, like 10 years in, I'm just hobby gardening because I don't have like the right space where I'm renting. I have a lot of shade. I can do like lettuces and herbs pretty well and all my houseplants are very happy outside in the shade quote-unquote houseplants mm-hmm. um a lot of them are great outside and then it gets cold and they come inside but when it comes to like growing food and trying to successfully gr- you know grow any substantial amount of food that like might actually make a dent in your grocery bill it's hard and you realize it's a collaboration with nature. It's not, you can do everything perfectly and it doesn't even matter sometimes. Yeah.
0: Like, and some people say like, Oh, well if your garden isn't feeding other things than you, like it's not really a garden or something like that. But I'm just like, You've never grown a garden, have you?
1: And it's expensive. <laughs> it's, it's so expensive. It's so ex- soil. Good soil is so yeah. expensive. Or remediating the existing soil if you're lucky enough to have somewhere you can grow in beds. Yeah, and, then and it's time consuming. You can't consuming. buy more sunlight. And if you don't have enough sunlight, you're not getting flowers or fruits. So, you know, I've it takes you know a couple a year, two years at least. Gardening in a new spot before you really get a bearing on the light, how it changes over the year, like across the seasons, and um, sometimes you think that you can grow, like you think you know what you have, and then the leaves grow back on the trees a couple months later, and like early, early, it's like spring, spring. It's nothing is leafed out, and you have all this sunshine, and then another month goes by, and all those leaves have grown out on the trees, and you have full shade. So. It's, it's always changing and you have to always be very observant and you're right. You have to like a big part of my job in tillery in the greenhouse is observing the plants. I can look at a plant and know if it's thirsty. I can look at a plant and know if it got overwatered, and I have to always make sure things are getting the accurate amount of water. And we have thousands of plants from all over the world and all sorts of different Soil medias and so we have to group things together. We have to kind of be organized Um and ob- very observant and be able to tell like When things manifest what's happening so You have to always kind of just be paying attention.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an awareness. It's a sensory awareness It's like situational awareness. It's environmental awareness. It's all goes back to are you paying attention? And I think that's what brings the best the best aspects of us out is the patience. Right. We gotta be patient to do these things. And we gotta be paying attention and like it's so but we've just curated this world so that we don't have to do that. You know, we don't have to worry about I mean I ask people all the time like which direction are you looking right now? They're like, Oh, I'm like, yeah. What phase of the moon is going on right now? Uh, you know? So I think it's just things like that, that we're lost because of the way culture and society has, you know, unfortunately gone.
1: What food is in season right now?
0: What food's in season right now? Yeah. Or even what strawberries in December. What can it's I grow about. here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and those are all great questions. And so I'm loving that. So for those of you listening, um, coming up this Thursday, Melissa will be at the buzz mill off Riverside and she'll be doing a two hour discussion about plants and propagation and cultivation. And what are some things you're going to chat with us there about?
1: So on Thursday I'm doing a houseplants one-on-one class and I have a slideshow and it's a lot of photos. So in the beginning I kind of just introduced myself and then I start going through all of these different families of kind of the most common house plants that you see. Um and I just have a lot of pictures so that I can kind of show people, you know, like cuz that's a lot of the time, you know, you see the plant and you're like, "Oh, I want that." But you got to figure out what conditions it likes, where is it native to? Is it from a desert? Is it from a jungle? Um and and once you know more about it, that then you can kind of figure out like, well, where can I put it if I had it? Where can I keep it nice? Because there's so many times you can get a plant, you can put it in the spot that you have, but if it is not going to thrive in that spot, eventually it's not going to look good or it's going to die. So, you know, choosing the right plants, I'm going to help people kind of choose the right plants by showing them a lot of variety and then talk about how to water them, how much light they need, what kind of pests they might get and what you would do if they get pests. Um... And then just suggest, uh, I have some suggestions at the end of just different places I get a lot of my plant information from. Very cool. So I've done (laughs) that class a couple times now. I've made the slideshow during the pandemic, and I've been teaching Houseplants 101 probably about six years now through tillery. And um, it's another way that I feel like that's like one of my favorite hats to wear. I do really enjoy helping teaching people what will work for them. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll be back in the spring at Buzzmo also to teach herbs and veg.
0: Oh, yeah. Spring vegetable gardening. So that's going to be in February. That is awesome. That's, yeah, we'll definitely be at both of them. But I'm excited that uh, so many people, like you say, are getting into it more. And isn't that interesting what you said is the way it kind of picked up during COVID. It's like the moment people... I guess, don't have the weight of going through everyday life of whatever it is they're driving towards. Uh, They get into nature because we had an explosion of kids at Natureversity come in during the pandemic. And I don't know if it was necessarily because schools were closing down, but I really think people just wanted to be outside. I mean, I think the national park system like saw more people visit than ever. Like, isn't that, I mean, I got. I think I knew more of my neighbors during that time than ever before because everybody was out walking their dog and just taking strolls every day and bumping into each other and chatting. And it was really interesting times. And um, I'm curious about the people who go to that shop. Do you have anybody uh, who comes there all the time and they're like rare plant? Enthusiasts and y'all like super nerd out on like oh this one just came in and we haven't seen it in so long and do y'all do y'all have people like like does it get to that I don't know what oh, to yeah. call that the the cult of house yeah. plants if you will
1: <laughs> yes
0: there are a lot of regulars um, talk about some of those rare plants what are some of them that are like whoa I'm curious
1: so we have a plant wall um, I just gave it a haircut actually and. We built it last January, and it's not too complex. It is future foam that goes under carpets in two layers on a wall, and I make little pockets, and I plant the plants in the pockets, and then they actually root into the foam. Wow! So there's a lot of philodendrons. That's probably my favorite to propagate, and um, it's very difficult to propagate them by seed. You have to... Be there late at night a lot of the time because the magic happens late at night for philodendrons. Um, But I just do vegetative cuttings and I I just take cuttings of them and root those out in sphagnum moss and then transfer them to soil once they're well rooted. Um, Some of my favorites are the splendid. It has a very velvety, purpley kind of color to it and a big heart-shaped leaf. And um, it will climb... I've had one for a couple years now, and so the leaves have gotten really large. They'll be like over a foot long. Wow. And very just velvety and beautiful. I have a picture of it in my slideshow on Thursday, so you'll see it. Um, and I, I like the shape of a lot of the philodendrons. I like a trilobed leaf where you have like three leaves type, a, a shape with three on it. Um, and a lot of those philodendrons will climb up the wall. We'll also grow them sometimes in hanging baskets. A lot of people are concerned about like having to get moss poles for them, but you can use a plank of wood in most cases and they will root onto wood. I have seen roots grow onto um, people's shelves. My wall has a philodendron growing up it inside my house right now. Don't tell my landlord. The (laughs) roots (laughs) attached to the wall.
0: We'll paint over (laughs) that later. I
1: don't know. Um and monstera philodendron uh monstera deliciosa it's commonly called a philodendron but um it's one of the most common i would say houseplants. i saw you had a couple yourself yeah. and i love them because they're so easy and um they tolerate a lot of conditions so they're one of my favorites um we have a collection that we have been collecting for probably like six or seven years and it used to be hard cause we didn't have anywhere we could kind of keep it separate. It was just like all on a little shelf on the highest shelf inside of the greenhouse when we only had one greenhouse. So people would like get it down and try and buy it. And we had to put not for sale signs on everything. And everyone has miffed like, why is this not for sale? We're like, because we want to be able to propagate it so everyone can have one. Mm-hmm. But um, now we have a full greenhouse. And earlier this year, our friend, one of our good friends moved away. He couldn't take his entire collection with us. So we bought a $2,000 plant called a Burl Marks Flame, and uh, Burley Marks Flame. And we traded that plant for his entire collection. So a lot of the new displays that are at Tillery... Um, they're amazing. They wow. have all sorts of really cool Burly mark flame. Yeah. Like Look we got up, this people. one tree. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it makes this fruit. That's like a jelly worm looking fruit. And it grew. We had it in like two months. We had it. It grew like six feet. We had to move it out of the corner of the greenhouse because it grew so fast. So now we're trying to propagate it, but it's apparently from Central America and it, it grows really quickly. They, they, um, some places it's considered invasive, but um, invasive can be a good trait when you're trying to grow something in a pot.
0: I don't like that word. I just say it's opportunistic.
1: I think, <laughs> I think that that's a good way to think about it because, I mean, I heard someone once, one of the maybe permaculture people say, like, you know, you shouldn't say anything is invasive because everything is always changing. Yeah. And I...
0: But I get the meaning. I get the sentiment behind the word. Yeah,
1: I understand that. But I'm also like not a big, you know, a lot of people come through and they just want natives. And a lot of the schools can only plant natives because their grants will only allow them to plant natives. So when teachers come in, we have to be able to show them like what they are allowed to get. Um,
0: What kind of natives do you sell there?
1: We sell a lot of different things. Um, We do some of like... There's a native yucca, twist leaf yucca that we sell. Yeah. A lot of the um, flowers, we, it really depends on kind of what's available um, from the growers. And it's always changing, but like Turk's cap is a native, will always have. There's only, I think, one type of lantana that's native. So yeah. I've seen that happen where the teacher will go buy lantana, but they can get like hybrid lantanas or non-native lantanas. And, um, Something it's not like really agaritas
0: s- and specified.
1: So, um, yeah, a lot of salvias, uh-huh. um, s- different sages. agaves and yeah, sages. Some of them are, I mean, they have names that are like places like Jerusalem sage, but it's not, I don't think it's from no. Jerusalem. It's just like the person who named it. Right. Like it's from a faraway place. mm mm-hmm. Um,
0: common names are never accurate. Yeah, I found it's. I always try to speak. You know, what did they call it? Binomially, or I just listened you
1: know. to a really good podcast called Horticulturadi. Uh-huh. I think, and that's some local horticulturists, and they're talking about common names that are slightly problematic. Oh so yeah, that was a good listen.
0: I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I like to speak to people with <clears throat> Latin names because it really gets to the exact plant. So if you're like chickweed, I'm like, wait, what's that? Like Stellaria media, is that what the one you're talking about? Or is it, uh, you know, a different one? Yeah, it
1: really helps clarify, like when people come in and ask us, for, like, a salvia, well, there's a thousand different types yeah. of salvias. They're um, what, the one you
0: smoke? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Which is that one? You're like, no, you don't want that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then when common names can get confusing, they'll be like, I want a bird of paradise. Well, do you want a Strelitzia Nikolai, which right. is a white bird of paradise, or do you want the yellow bird of paradise, yeah. which is outdoor, mm-hmm. perennial bird of paradise? So... Um, It's interesting
0: how people don't even know what they really want. They just want this thing.
1: They don't. Well, and I always tell people like when this, it's a very different type of store because usually if you go like, pick out an outfit like you go to target for chopping and you sure. know what type of pants you like yeah and you know like you can make an outfit and you can buy it and leave but when you go to the store you don't know like what type of plant you might need like you don't know what all the plants are and you don't know you don't even know what your conditions are a lot of the time so when people come in we have to like ask them all these different questions to figure out what type of space they have and figure out how much light they have and figure out how much they actually want to care for the plant. Like, are you going to be an overwater? Are you going to be an underwater? Like there's a plant for everybody. You just have to get set up with the right plant. And we have to figure out like, do you have shade? Do you have a spot that your sprinklers are going to hit or not hit? Like there's a lot of different conditions that goes into figuring out what's right for every different space.
0: Do you have any opportunities for people who come in and you can do like consultations? Like, yeah, I'll come check out your property
1: people ask every now and then um i do through our website have um i did this during the pandemic like an online consultation
0: oh, type nice. of thing you like so, facetime me yeah walk to your house yeah
1: mm-hmm. and it's not too expensive and that way you know i don't have to go to their house so it's a little bit like easier for me but i can still see what's going on sure and if they want to pay me to, for me to come out to their house like i can be hired to do sure. that um, a lot of realtors
0: but, contact us and yeah. they say uh, so-and-so is buying this 40-acre piece of property. They want to know all what's on it. So like I show up and I give them a complete tour of like, here's all your trees. Here's all your plants. Here's all your, you know, probably what animals you're going to see, insects you're going to see. And then there's other people there who are like there to talk about the water tables. It's like a whole thing. That's and cool. I would say like to reach out to some realtor companies because they would go nuts yeah. over what you're doing That's and how really you're curating cool. landscapes and helping people get plants into their homes. It's a big selling point. Yeah. So, FYI.
1: Yeah, we that is a good point. A lot of those, you know, they hire designers and yeah, di- designers yeah. come in and basically get us to do their job and pick out all the plants and then they like charge that's right 10 times more than cuz right. we do repot stuff for people like we and I've seen designers come in and like, you know, East Austin succulents, we share the nursery with another nursery. And they do all the little succulent arrangements, and people will come in and like get them to do arrangements and then like post it like they did it.
0: (laughs) Ah, whack. That's whack. I'd call them out. (laughs) I'd I'd tweet at them. (laughs) What's this? (laughs) Right. You just got to take photos of your work all the day so you got proof. That's terrible. Oh, but you know, again, that's people who want some, you know, feedback in their life that they're doing well. And, you know, sometimes they're not capable of doing well so they look for it in other ways that's okay i i try to meet everybody where they're at i'm like look man i used to fake the funk too right i think the dunning kruger effect is real and we all think we're super cool when we're not and then we realize we're not cool and we eventually reach cool status because we find something we're passionate about and that drives us that's what makes it cool exactly and it's okay like it's you know so when people are doing that i just give them the piece that i wished i would have been given back in the day instead of somebody being rude to me and being like what are you talking about you know and i'll never forget one time my my good friend avery she was uh having this party and she's got a really nice house on the lake and she had gone out to pick up some uh, some other friends and i was just there and i was walking around her property and i'd gone down near the water and there was a bunch of that um solidago altisma I'm trying to think of the common name, uh, tall goldenrod. So I collected some of that. And then she had some other roots of this tree that had fallen over. I think it was like ash juniper roots or something, or eastern red cedar root. And I started like you know playing around, like I was going to spin and you know do some friction fire, right? And spin these two things. And this guy comes out there. He's like one of her college friends. He's like, "What are you doing, man?" And I was like, "Oh, just playing around with this thing, trying to like you know do some fire." And he's like, "Yeah, let me show you how to do that." And he just like takes the thing. And I've been teaching this stuff for like ten years at this point, so I'm really enjoying what's going on right now. And I'm just <laughs> watching this dude fail miserably. And then, you know, Avery gets back and she walks around the corner. She's like, "Oh, Chris," she's like, "Are you you showing him how to do that?" And I was like, "No." And 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 he's like, "Yeah." He's like, he's like, I'm showing him how to do it, and she just bursts into laughter, and she's like, "Bro, she's like,
1: he mansplained to you."
0: Yeah, I guess that's what was going on. And then, you know, he couldn't get it going, and I was like, "Watch," and I like took my knife and I was like, and I just did it. And he was like, "What the heck, bro?" He's like, "Why did not you tell me?" I was like, "I don't know." Seeing if you were the one telling, I didn't say anything, man. I didn't ask you to. I was like, "It's cool," but again, like, I just want people to be like, I, "I." There's people out there like that, and that's okay. You know, so yeah. Do you ever get people coming into your shop and they're like, let me tell you all about it. And you're like, oh, come on. Most
1: of the time, if I find someone who wants to talk plants with me and they know about plants, like I want to talk about plants and I'll see what everybody has to say about anything and like whatever I can learn. You know, once I find out like what someone knows about plants, I know what questions I can ask if I have questions because... You know, there's it like, doesn't take you much time probably to, and I could have great conversations about plants because you have a lot of like the a perspective of them that I don't have. So like my husband wanted to take us on a foraging class recently. We haven't signed up for one yet, but we want to learn more about kind of like all these different foods. Oh, that, man. You know, there's That's just so right. many cool di- directions. Ear- earlier you when you were talking and, like, about weeding. I got really into mushrooms last year, too. It's like there's just weeding. Weeding is great.
0: Well, meaning like when you said weeding, I was thinking, oh, is she pulling out wild edible plants out of her yard? Oh, no, just uh-huh. mostly grass. <laughs> yeah. But the, but you're right. Foraging is one more way that we can connect to nature. And do you have any, um, you know, plants there? I, I, I know you'll sell fruit trees.
1: We do sell fruit trees. Yeah. We have citrus trees. We have fig trees. We have all like apples and pears and persimmons, pomegranates, avocados. We have a star fruit tree?
0: Oh, sweet.
1: I have a, a ch- ice cream bean tree that I've never gotten fruit off of, but I have it.
0: Interesting. Um is it can you shed some light on something for me? Is it true that when you take apple seeds and just toss them in there and they become an apple tree that they not they won't necessarily produce apples?
1: Yeah. So, I believe with apples the way that they, I'm no expert on this, but the way that they are bred, um, you're not really going to get a seed that's true to the parent. Wow. Um, what what
0: happened? Like, I just can't, like, that breaks the natural cycle of life, doesn't it?
1: I think it just has to do with, like, the genetics. They, they'll, they something, gotta talk to a real professional about this to get the scoop. <laughs> but that's okay, I'm they, curious. I think they just pull all the genetics from, like, one parent or like one parent's parent right so it's like they're not always going to be true. i know that i think you can do citrus for the most part true from seed but it takes so long Yeah. here in texas we cannot get citrus from out of texas and we can't even get citrus from like the valley because it's highly regulated because of the citrus greening disease so a lot of Cool types of citrus you can't really get
0: here. Um, So all those trees that are grown down there in South Texas, what are where are those going? Those fruits are going where?
1: Well, there's an industry down there that they're growing a lot of fruit, and then
0: like those grapefruits. Yeah, there's a huge grapefruit industry.
1: Um, But a lot of them, you'll see when you're driving on the highway, signs like you cannot take citrus across this county line. Um, wow. And they're trying that. to control the citrus greening disease and prevent it from spreading out of Texas. So um, it basically makes I believe it's a, a disease that you can get on your fruit tree that your citrus tree that will keep them green. They don't really ripen, but basically just does tons of damage and they're trying to mitigate it. So it's highly regulated. Tons of people stopped growing citrus. A lot of the nurseries would just Completely stopped because it was such a hassle to get all the... I had no idea. Permits and everything. That's amazing. But I know that the last year we've heard that a lot of people are really ramping up their production of citrus. But that's why we have probably a lot more limited availability of types of citrus in Texas than in other places. You can... I've heard of people don't do this ordering it on etsy like someone came in and was like i got this lemon tree off of etsy from the northwest and i was like that was illegal whoa but no one stopped her
0: interesting yeah i've had um you know when you go down to mexico and places like that and you buy stuff they always pit the fruits and they take the seeds out because i think that's the no-no right is cross-contamination from seed you know and uh yeah, that's in, that's so fascinating to me. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know. I always, I just assumed driving down there all the time that this is probably what HEB is stocked with. And, you know, you see the fruits on the trees. I, I Maybe I just never noticed they weren't orange. And I just assumed, oh, they're not ripe yet.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the trees, I mean, I think that they have it pretty well under control. But I think, you know, they'll send an inspector out to our nursery and look at all of our citrus trees and they have to have a tag on them it says where they came from wow. in case they found the disease on the tree. They would sure, go to that, that nursery sense. and they'll make you destroy everything. Dang.
0: Yeah. They're super, super paranoid. I remember I took a bow making class up in Vermont and there was this guy from Australia there and he told me, he was like, I can't even bring this bow that is made from this Osage tree back into Australia. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm going to have to file all this paperwork. He's like, because they have to, like, inspect it. And, like, I guess something happened a long time ago and they passed some law about, like, you can't bring. I, was, I think there was a news story about, like, Johnny Depp's dogs or something. Like, they were like, we'll shoot these dogs. <laughs> they flew right away. <laughs> back to his I'm pretty sure that's a story. Oh, my God. In fact, check me on that. But they're serious. So I can see how the United States and states and counties would be like, hey, be careful. Because, I mean, yeah, people, like, Oakwilt I mean that's a thing, yeah. and it will kill your beautiful shaded house, and not your yeah, house, but your, it kills the trees that yeah. shade your house. And that's a man. I mean, what the the market on fixing that is yeah. outrageously Honestly, priced.
1: Prevention and, is a lot cheaper. You can yeah. prevent it if you use mycorrhizal. There you go. If you inoculate your trees with mycorrhizal. we be talking about guy? some
0: of that at the class.
1: Uh, I might touch on it, but it's not as much of a houseplants thing. I mean, you do want to in, like it's it's good to give it to your house plants, but it's more of like a outside plants thing. What about in the spring that class? That one I'll definitely talk Yeah,
0: about. so y'all who were yeah. interested in preventing oak wilt, check this out cuz it's going to be and I have always heard that too that yeah. preventative is the best.
1: I didn't realize it helped against oak wilt, but the owner David of um, Wild Roots, who is a local mycorrhizal company that we buy from, um, he and I did a talk austin organic gardeners on fertilizers he was talking about the mycorrhizal and he said that when basically when you inoculate your plant with the mycorrhizal fungi once you inoculate it it gets into the cells and it's in the plant so you have to introduce it and a lot of these trees like have it already just like the natural mycorrhiza. they're plugged into it but um, if you're planting a new tree, it's always really good to introduce it. And if you if you don't know, it doesn't hurt to broadcast them. You you can um mix it into water and water your plants with it. And you do have to make sure that you are not using chlorine water. That can kill the good mycorrhizae. You um, rainwater is best or you can get these things that hook up to your hose that take out all the chloramine we actually have chloramine in our city water that doesn't evaporate if you leave it to sit out so um, you just want to make sure if you're inoculating your if you're going through the treble to inoculate something you're not killing it right as you're inoculating yeah. it I like to do it before it rains and I'll use my rainwater water my new planted plants in with the mycorrhizal you can get it in the fertilizer so it'll give you a little bit of nitrogen too and then the rain kind of will spread it out a little bit more and i use a metaphor it's kind of like the internet you know you have to get plugged in you have to get your modem set up and then once you have that modem you pretty much can hook up to get that information and the plants will share nutrients and water and they can share it like pretty pretty far distances so um, getting your plants on the internet is really good for them <laughs>
0: yeah isn't that wild that we actually have that same man everything copies nature it's just so weird. biomimicry is just fascinating subject i want to have somebody on to just sit and talk for that about hours um i was gonna i was gonna say um i had seen so a long time ago i lived in north austin and there was a tree a big oak and this sucker died and they cut all the branches off it like it was just like this naked looking thing And I drove by it for years, and I lived in South Austin for years. And one day I was driving by, going back to my mom's house, and this thing had new branches on it that were growing. And I just always assumed a tree that gets oak wilt is gone forever. And that's why I wondered. I was like, why did they just trim it like that, not just take it down to the base? And um, yeah, have you ever seen trees revived from oak wilt?
1: I have not. Um, this
0: thing, I took a picture of it and sent it to my mom and she was like, I saw that. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I did not know. And I've talked to a few people about it and they said they've seen it but I was like, man, I wonder if Melissa knows anything yeah, about that.
1: that's pretty cool. I bet you that
0: Michael Reisal network got over there Maybe somehow. it plugged in. I, I, what else would be the explanation? And it's just, it's got to be getting nutrients from somewhere and it just sprang up these new shoots and started growing leaves and I'm like, dude, you found, Ch- it's Chaser? like eight years later, like nine years yeah. later. It's trees
1: are really resilient. Um, you know, a lot of people will come and be like, oh, my thing is dead. And we're like, well, did you scratch the base of it? And they're, it's green underneath. And I'm like, well, just yeah, leave it. It's leave still it. alive. Like, right. I don't I check know. check trees like that all the time. How many plant, like, I know plants get thrown away all the time. People think they're dead. But if you just give them time to recover, a lot of yeah. the time they do, especially after freezes, like after the big ice apocalypse. You know, we had olive trees like right down the street from Tillery that were nice and big and tall, but they froze back to the ground. But now you see all the new growth sprouting up from around the base and um, trees, plants, the roots, the ground here doesn't really freeze. So if something is planted in the ground, it doesn't uh, even if we get like a hard Pretty hard freeze here. The ground's not really freezing. So, a lot of the time, especially if you water before a hard freeze, the roots are kind of more insulated and things will survive. It takes time for them to recover. I felt like after the icepocalypse, things grew back really slow.
0: Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of things. Um, we help out at uh, Ecology Action in Circle Acres over there on the east side. And there's still some things that just haven't really made their way back. But other things have, like, really in ways that I was like, whoa, it's kind of like seeing a wildfire go through an area and then seeing the things that return. You're like, whoa, that I didn't expect any of that to come back or even knew it was here. Or so certain things, uh, definitely, altered out there at ecology action and we were like what
1: and an interesting circle loop back we can make right now is i have a friend who is doing some research on like the pines out in bastrop and that fire that happened oh yeah and her theory last time i talked to her was that they're not native the pines were planted possibly for like lumber but in the early 1900s, because now that the fire cleared everything, they're not really regrowing. So she thinks that they were planted by people and they were not necessarily native. <sighs> so, how do we know even what's native?
0: Right. Yeah. You don't even know. I'm, um, yeah, I'm really excited to learn more about plants because I feel like what you said right at the beginning of this podcast was so true. It's like it's always changing. You know, it's always evolving. And I tell people that about nature all the time. Like, it's like a thirst for wisdom that you just can't quench because of the evolution and because you're evolving as a human and you're making new insights to who you are and how you connect to these things. And so...
1: And people are doing really cool things now with hybridizing. So, you know, people are hybridizing new types of figs, new types of orchids, like... There's so many different examples of, you know, I went to the Orchid Society, Heart of Texas Orchid Society meeting last week, and they were showing pictures of these orchids that were collected in the jungles of Brazil. And when they collect them, they have these thin leaves. And over the 20 years of um, breeding them and choosing the ones that had the biggest, fullest leaves, the biggest petals, they've gotten them to go from these skinny leaves that have big spaces between the, the, the... not the leaves, but the flowers spaces between the petals. And now the petals all touch and overlap and they're just like a much fuller flower and they breed them to win awards and shows for them. But you know, you're breeding it away from what it naturally was. So it's just very interesting to see how all the different types, like I even heard of a genetically modified plant that is, I believe in Europe that recently was released for sale. It's like 170 or something dollars And it removes like 30% more of the VOCs out of your house or, you know, something like that. So, you know, I love the idea of like genetically modifying plants to be like more cold hardy because then like your tropical plants, you can like you could get a banana to survive the freeze and then you can have bananas. Like I, my husband is learning how to do tissue culture right now, which is growing plants in sterile conditions in like a laboratory type setting. And that's really interesting to me. You're really dealing with like the cells and multiplying and dividing the cells. And once he gets really good at that, I'll be able to like, that's how they do grow a lot of these orchids is they take the seeds of the orchid and they grow them in the laboratory type sterile setting because they're so tiny and they take so long and fungus could happen. So much could go wrong. So it's really exciting. He's actually a registered nurse, but he has very good sterile technique. So he was the person we chose to do this project and we just started. It's really exciting, but you know, it's really cool to see just these little plants in agar growing. And um, once he gets good at that, hopefully we'll will be the the world is our oyster we can you know make all the plants that i only have one of i'll be able to multiply and have um a lot more of them so there's there's just a lot of cool plants that aren't really in production that you can get from like a person a grower like my friends i've gotten really cool plants from but they, those plants aren't really coming out in mass out of florida so just cool to see what we can spread. And I really love the idea of, I'm always thinking of like how the plants that we're ordering is kind of like we're picking the plants that people are putting into their spaces. And there is a responsibility with that. I think like we want to, we always want to make sure the plants that we're getting are, are like, for example, when we order milkweed, we always check to make sure that it was not treated with neonics by the nursery that we get it from. Because we don't want to be selling milkweed to people who are buying it for Monarchs Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. have Have them, Monarchs, not do well. So, you know, we try to be really responsible and and try not to sell things that are like on the city invasive list, like dandinas. And people will come in and ask for things that are like, well, we don't really sell that. It's slightly opportunistic
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it is invasive still um
1: but you know it's like if things aren't really helping out like the birds or the bees or you know we're kind of like not about lawns we don't sell lawn seed you know like we're we'll help you take out your lawn and put in some pollinator plants and you know but lawns are kind of like i think they're kind of old-fashioned i know people like them but a lot of people don't even have space for them they are
0: old-fashioned they're super old-fashioned
1: and they take a toll on the environment. They contribute to the wastewater. Uh, They contribute to, like, people use high nitrogen fertilizers yep. on their lawns. It runs off into our rivers. Yep. Ladybird Lake is having toxic algae. It's a really big deal. And people don't really think about, like, oh, it's just their lawn and it has to get watered, you know, when we're in a drought. And it's not helping anybody out, you know. Yeah. You could have like a beautiful little garden there. That there are ways to do things that are like fairly low maintenance, just as much maintenance as a lawn. There's native grasses, like, there's options. I think people should be open minded about maybe killing their lawn.
0: (laughs) Yeah, in some ways, it's interesting, like, how we're sold this idea of like what is life here in America. And it's a pretty lawn and picket fence, still, in some ways. Um, but then I look across the pond and I'm like, man, look what Europe's doing. Like all those apartments have gardens on top of them. All the balconies have, you know, little trellises hanging off and this, that. And it's like how culturally, like what is the difference? What do we do as either educators or, you know, um, greenhouse managers? What do we do to get people more into this stuff?
1: It's interesting because it was kind of like... It's like almost in the fabric of our society to have a lawn in front of your house, you know, and it's really interesting to me. I recently was listening to an audio book um, on regenerative soil and it's kind of the same thing happened where in in agriculture and farming we were taught you have to till the soil and that was like the number basic number one thing that you do as a farmer you like till your soil every year and it makes the soil better but they were really ruining the soil by tilling it every year and the farmer that was writing the book he um actually went to like the future farmers of america and he asked them to take the till off of their logo because the logo for the future farmers of america is like a tractor tilling and you know now that we're doing all these scientific research and studies there was no Scientific research that says tilling is good for soil, and once wow. they actually started researching it, they're like, "Oh, we're killing all of the earthworms. We're killing the mycorrhiza. We're killing all the good biome. We're we're killing the life of our soil." And
0: then wondering and why our plants, plants was, growing.
1: Yeah, and every year there's less and less nutrients. All the topsoil is washing away. It's like causing all of these issues, and we're still just doing the same thing because we're not really thinking about it. Because it was just the fabric that we were given to wear. It's like,
0: yeah. That's wild. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation and, uh, I really look forward to having you on again because I want to ask, I do have more questions now that we've chatted this much. I've, I'm like, I've just, I've just kept going and like, well, I'm going to ask this, but we're coming up on an hour and, uh, I got to get out and go make some baskets today with my teachers. That's nice. what we're doing, we're going to go get some sesbenia plants. They're known as the river hemp and uh, it was kind of a fascinating moment. I was like looking at this plant one day. While I was teaching summer camps, and I was like, "What is this plant?" And uh, I picked it up. It's in the pea family, and I started pulling it apart. And I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Look at these fibers that are coming off here!" And just like cold, like massive, like ten foot sections of fiber. And I was like, "Man, I can make this into rope and baskets." So we're gonna go do that. But um, Melissa, if you're ever interested in hanging out with us and learning about what we do with plants and make them into baskets and all the different things that we do uh you're always welcome to come hang out i would love to yeah yeah
1: i think you actually met my husband on one of the last kayaking trips with the with the buzz mm-hmm. yeah like cleanup
0: oh yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah he he
1: likes to go hang out with all the buzz Mill people and the Squatch
0: people well we love everybody over there we're always trying to get places cleaned and more natural sites preserved and um you're just doing such great work, and we thank you for helping us you get too. to these people. Like, because what my question was was, how do we get more people? But it's you doing what you're doing with Tillery, and it's you know you being a force out there using your icky guy and your passion to to spread and just uh, an
1: advocate for the plants.
0: That's right, and the planet, and so the planet. Thanks for being on.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, y'all. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye bye.